Hey guys, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is your host, J.C. Felto, and this will be the first episode in that series I was talking about just about a month ago uh, with the stories I like, stories I love, stories I hate. So stick around here for some new content in this uh, snappy little series I'll be doing here on The Writer's Lens. Sure you're all wondering what exactly I mean by stories I like, stories I love, stories I hate. Uh, with this particular little mini-series I'm going to do here on The Writer's Lens, I just thought it would be fun, since it is my podcast, to do something where I talk about the types of stories that I enjoy, uh, the stories that I can come back to consistently, that would be the stories I love, and then the stories that I loathe and wish that I could you know, could get my life back for having listened to them or read them or watched them or maybe just in general, whenever I see it coming, I just run the other direction. Uh, that's what this little mini series is going to be. You know, I got about six or seven episodes lined up, should be able to knock them out relatively quickly. And then we'll be back on some more fun stuff here as spring begins to roll in and summer begins to roll in here, which I am looking forward to after this incredibly, incredibly cold uh, seven to eight weeks of winter that we've had here in the Western Hemisphere. But anyway, enough of me complaining. I'm, I'm not supposed to complain till the end of this when I get to the part about where I hate stuff. So let's just get into the things that I like. So stories I like, just to kind of give a little bit of an idea here of what we're aiming for with this series. Stories that I like are stories about dinosaurs, which you might be going, okay, crap. You know, I <laughs> didn't expect that this would be the kind of series that you're doing. You know, trust me, stick around. If you're not the biggest fan of dinosaurs, I will have uh, more content that does not revolve around just dinos and, and things of that in other future episodes. But if you're willing to stick around with me on this one, let me explain. Dinosaur stories for me, so, I'm a, so you might have noticed by now I'm a guy, uh, I'm a male, and as a young boy, Dinosaurs are something that just really capture your imagination when you're a kid. I mean, anything big, anything larger than life, uh, whether it's dad, whether it's somebody like dad, for instance, or big people, you know, animals that are ferocious, these kinds of things stick with you when you're a little kid and when you're a little boy. Uh, this concept of dinosaurs are almost like dragons. You know, they're these huge, hulking creatures. Nobody's ever seen them that are alive today. Uh, we speculate about how they behaved. We speculate about what they did. Uh, we even speculate about how long or you know, uh, they might have lived or what they did uh, while they were here. But the fact of the matter is that the dinosaur is this mysterious and very curious uh, thing to a young boy's mind. And so dinosaurs, it's a very natural thing for a young person to gravitate towards when you're little. Uh, I mean, I had tons and tons of toys of dinosaurs, and I remember watching cartoons like We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. There were TV shows like Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Uh, the, the, the TV show Dinosaurs was on. You can see a theme here that, you know, no one really deviates that much from the term dinosaur, dinosaur when they make a show. But on that note, uh, not every dinosaur story is good, okay? Not every dinosaur story has ever been good, and of course, that might be for later in this show, but for the majority of the time, when you're a kid, it doesn't matter because as long as a giant animal with spikes on their back or teeth in their mouth and a long tail 
shows up, you are excited. You are ready to listen or watch or read whatever it is that has to do with that. So that's kind of my way of kickstarting this thing is talking about stories I like, which are stories about dinosaurs. As for stories I love, one in particular uh, rises above the, uh, above the rest when it comes to dinosaurs. And you probably would have guessed it by now. And that is the original Jurassic Park, the OG of the franchise. Uh, so much to say about this film, about the book by Michael Crichton, which was genius, uh, just perfect timing, I guess, as far as his, you know, his book was concerned. But just the setting of Jurassic Park, you know, for those who, uh, you know, saw the movie in theaters, if you were lucky enough to see it in theaters, uh, the atmosphere of the film is something I'll never forget. I mean, I was probably about ten years old, and my parents thought it was a good idea. I think my dad thought it was a good idea to take me to. Uh, the movie theater watched this film, and it, it totally scared the bejesus out of me, especially when, you know, arms of people are falling on other people that have been eaten. Uh, you know, the whole scene in the kitchen with the two raptors and the kids, again, completely and utterly uh, had me crapping myself or peeing myself, and maybe not literally, but at least in a figurative sense, when I was in the movie theater watching it. The dinosaurs themselves, the designs on these guys... Uh, were phenomenal. I mean, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think this was one of the first times we got to see a T-Rex walking in the way that it did with its, uh, you know, with its tail behind it, not dragging around. Uh, even the, the scope of its skull, the way that that was designed was really impressive. Uh, and then, of course, we were, we were introduced to the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park. A lot of people had no clue what the Velociraptor was until Jurassic Park came along. And outside of just the dinosaurs, there was the characters. Uh, you know, Alan Grant, uh, you know, Ellie Sattler, Ian Malcolm, uh, you know, John Hammond. All of these guys uh, are synonymous with the franchise. And they, uh, you know, Ellie up until I think the forthcoming Jurassic World Dominion hasn't been in a single film. Oh, she did have one cameo in Jurassic Park 3, I will say that. Uh but these characters are sort of timeless. You know, they showed up in video games. They were, you know, action figures when the franchise really took off. And each of them has a very unique role in this film. You know, Hammond is the, uh, you know, he's the uh, brains and also, as it turns out, the pocketbook for Jurassic Park's inception. You know, Alan Grant is the is the paleontologist, a man out of time. Can't believe he actually sees them in real life. Ellie Sadler's long for the ride uh, with that and has her own uh, sort of arc that she's dealing with inside the story. And then, of course, there's Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, which I, I don't need to explain that anymore as to why that's fun. But then there is the one thing about Jurassic Park. I can mention the dinosaurs, the people, the setting, all that kind of stuff. The thing about Jurassic Park that sets it apart, aside from the amazing soundtrack, which I, I should mention by John Williams, is fantastic. As soon as you hear the music start up, you know that we're going to Jurassic Park is the philosophical question that is raised very early on in the movie. And that is the question that John Hammond gives at that lunchroom scene. Uh, so there's a, there, the scene that I'm referring to is when they're, they're taken out into the raptor you know, paddock, if you will, or the raptor containment area, and the raptors are fed this, this cow that just gets lowered into their pen, and they just rip it to shreds, and we're... We, we don't actually get to see the raptors eating the cow, but we get to hear all the noises, and uh, we watch the reactions of the people. And then, of course, John Hammond says, oh, well, who's hungry? And they immediately take them inside to have lunch, 
and nobody really wants to eat. They've lost their appetite because of what they've just seen. But the conversation in the lunchroom with the philosophical question of how can we stand in the light of discovery and not act is the crux of Jurassic Park. It is this idea of what can man do when he is able to create something other than more humans. You know, what is what will human beings do if they have this sort of power? And of course, that power that we're talking about is a power that is typically reserved for God. It's not typically reserved for us as human beings in light of our technological advances, creating new life, uh, something like dinosaurs that are not human seems to be a bit of a tricky subject. And of course, being that it is a science fiction film, it you know teeters into that land of, well, we're kind of being like dark prophets again, being science fiction, uh, but it's still a good question. And Malcolm, uh, his character, uh, you know, Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, everybody pretty much voices their concern over Hammond's uh, park. And rightfully so again, because, you know, these are creatures that could basically tear your limb from limb and nobody really knows the wiser. And the fact that they're pretty much mutations, they're not like true dinosaurs because there's that really kooky explanation in the beginning as to how the dinosaurs are actually made, which is included in the film. You actually feel like you're in science class when you're watching that part where they're being told how the dinosaurs are made. But it's this question. It's this question of how can we stand in the light of discovery and not act? You know, when they're out in the in the cars later on after they've had this discussion in the lunchroom, which I won't spoil too much of it, you can go back and watch it yourself. You know, Ian Malcolm makes this comment. He says, you know, uh, God creates uh, dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs. This, again, this is sort of a joke as they're watching, they're trying to figure out where the animals are and nothing's going right. Uh, but then things really go wrong when the power goes out, of course. But anyway, Malcolm says God creates dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs. And again, this gets back to that philosophical question. What will man do when he can create things other than himself, when he can create life that is not another person, that is not another human being, uh, whether it's a boy or a girl? What will mankind do when they have this power of creating life, uh, you know, seemingly from nothing, you know, being able to mix some things around and create these, these dinosaurs? And... As I'm segueing into the stories I hate, you might already know where I'm going with this, but the stories that I hate when it comes to dinosaur films are all of the Jurassic Park sequels. Uh, I shouldn't say that I hate all of them, but I really strongly strongly dislike them. Uh, They're entertaining, you know, in in some respect. Jurassic World, the reboot, which was basically Jurassic Park 2.0, was semi-entertaining. But for me, none of these films, after the original, the OG really dive back into this original question of what does it mean for mankind to create life that is not him that is not made in his image you know what does that look like and i get it you know if you're going to make a franchise if you're going to explore this you know you have to take it into its logical next conclusion and uh, one of those spaces of course was ingen you know ingen was going to make these sort of bioweapons out of the dinosaurs and you know you had this scene with Dennis Nedry in the first one where he's stealing embryos and he's going to sell them on the black market or something and they're going to, you know, make dinosaurs on another island or whatever it was. And that was all very speculative and, you know, we didn't know where that was going to go and maybe that was going to be part of the sequel. Who knows? But getting back to this question about creation and discovery, what should mankind do and how do you explore that even when you have this big franchise now on your hands? 
Um, you know, The Lost World for me was entertaining. It was, you know, obviously it was the sequel to the original Jurassic Park. But the thing, aside from the philosophical question that seems to kind of be waylaid in this, is the dinosaurs lose their mystique uh, for me. That was another thing about the Jurassic Park sequels and the reason why they tend to suck is because the, the dinosaurs go from being almost a supernatural force where uh, in the first movie the raptors were, they're new, of course, but they're smart and they're, there's almost a villainous aspect to them that you can kind of genuinely fear and you know that if they're in the room, you're, you're in deep trouble. It's kind of like if, if you're in the, in the water with Jaws, your chances of surviving are about one in you know a million. It's just not going to happen. And as the series goes on, the raptors basically get watered down. You know, in Lost World, they turn into wolves in the high grass where humans make the incredibly stupid decision to run through high grass and the, you know, the raptors are killing them, you know, as though they're lemmings. Oh, whoopee-ding, you know, it could have been lions, it could have been wolves in that scene. It didn't have to be raptors, but of course it was because it was the Lost World. And then, of course, there are those scenes later on where Malcolm is literally standing toe-to-toe with a raptor and the raptor can't kill him. Uh, or another raptor is jumping through a windshield for no reason. Another raptor, uh, you know, gets kicked by a gymnast and is impaled on, on a tractor or whatever that was. They lose this supernatural quality of being something that you just don't mess with. And they, they kind of become these bumbling monsters uh, after the first film. And even the T-Rexes to some degree, because now they're, they're parents. You know, we, we've now projected them to be parents. And as long as we return the child to them, they won't think twice about eating us. That, of course, is stupid. You know, that's, that's just is a dumb, dumb thing. Uh, none of that makes any sense. Um, so... Again, you take these dinosaurs, these majestic creatures with this wonderful soundtrack that John Williams puts together that is both, uh, you know, somewhat morbid but also beautiful at the same time uh, and an ominous, uh, you know, all wrapped in one. And by the time I get to the end of the second movie and I start the third one, which tried to recapture some of that, by the way, I don't get that feeling anymore. I, I do not get the feeling that these are some really, really special animals. If anything, I just think that they're monsters on an island that are just trying to break free, you know. And, you know, again, back to the philosophical questions. How did dinosaurs survive on an island for years all by themselves? I mean, what about the ecosystem? Was there no desire to go and look into that? You know, we just wanted to get to all the really fun scenes where people are on motorcycles, zipping around, you know, apatosauruses and, you know, taking down carithosaurs, you know, with, with nets and things like that. And, ooh, this will be fun. None of it, <laughs> none of it really helps that original philosophical question of what can man do when he creates. And I guess you could say that this is the next step is, you know, we have to find out how to control it. Um, and Jurassic Park 3, I think, kind of tried to get back to that. Uh, I, I, and I'm trying not to get too ranty on this, but you can you can probably tell how passionate I am to some degree about this and why I, I, I just have such a hard time with these sequels. And I'm only on Jurassic Park 3. But they try to get back to this idea that the dinosaurs, you know, they have a habitat that in an ecosystem where mankind just doesn't belong. And yet they still come across as being these marauding monsters. You know, they don't come across as the dinosaurs that they were in the first couple of films. You know, the philosophy, you know, that philosophical question seems to have been thrown to the wayside in favor of new action scenes, um, which really have little to no buildup. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, the watered-down raptors. By the time we get to the raptors in Jurassic Park 3, 
now they're almost like an indigenous people group living on the island. You know, as long as you return the eggs to them, they won't rip your face off. Stupid. Okay, again, just stupid, you know. <laughs> just two movies ago, they would have, you know, torn us limb from limb. They would have organized a way or set a trap to kill you. And, uh, you know, of course, now I'm supposed to believe that if we give them both their eggs back, they're just going to run off into the distance. And, you know, nobody is really going to care, you know, as long as you make that noise with the, uh, you know, the raptor, uh, whatever it was, the raptor vocal, vocal cords or whatever it was <laughs> that they decided to make. Anyway... And then if I really wanted to get down the rabbit hole and talk about Jurassic World, which was literally Jurassic Park 2.0, basically the same storyline. They did exactly to that as what they did with Star, War Star Wars The Force Awakens, which, spoiler alert, maybe I'll, maybe I'll cover Star Wars later in some other episode. You know, The Force Awakens, which was A New Hope 2.0, Jurassic World was Jurassic Park 2.0. I mean, it was the same exact storyline. Big park opens. Power gets lost. A giant meat eater starts wreaking havoc. Two young kids are stuck out in the middle of the park trying to get back to their relatives. Uh, a powerful dignitary uh, is overseeing the project and, you know, is the sort of visionary. And, you know, in this one, he actually meets a very grisly end, uh, unlike the one in the first one. And a lot of random people die because of the dinosaurs getting loose and the raptors naturally kill a lot of people. It's a lot like the same story, you know, and then we have the dramatic ending, of course, where T-Rex comes and saves the day yet again, along with raptors uh, this time around. Again, it's basically Jurassic Park 2.0. So it was a reboot. Yeah, it was it was a total reboot. We know it was a reboot. But uh, come on, guys, I just uh, just can't get behind it. I just cannot get behind that concept. Um uh, I did, a, I did a hindsight episode on this too, by the way, which is why I, I, I have a lot of content here in terms of uh, this particular kickoff episode of stories I like, love, and hate. But that's just it. You know, that's just it for me as far as this entire franchise is concerned. Yeah, I know that Jurassic Park Dominion or Jurassic World Dominion is coming out soon. I, I don't have high hopes for it. Fallen Kingdom was not that good either. And so I don't have high hopes for uh, Dominion. I, I really don't. They can throw as many giant meat-eating carnivorous dinosaurs into the mix like Giganotosaurus for this one. I, it, it really, really doesn't matter. It's still going to come down to being uh, pretty much the same thing as it was before, which is going to be maybe a lot of nonsense. Although it is cool that Ian Malcolm, Alan Grant, and Ellie Sattler are going to be in it. but uh, And I'll probably watch it, of course, but... Again, I don't have high hopes for this film either way. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that I will be disappointed in my projected disappointment, if you will. So anyway, so that's kind of a taste of stories I like, stories I love, stories I hate. I promise to be a little bit better about the side that I like and I love. And there, there probably will be some better themes here uh, to explore other than just ripping on an entire franchise which, again, I love Jurassic Park. I love the original Jurassic Park. I love the concept. I just wish in hindsight they would have been a little bit more careful with the way that they brought these monsters, I mean dinosaurs, <laughs> out into uh, later films as well. So 
with that, I'm going to I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to step away from this so that you guys can either like, share, subscribe the content, or check out more of what I'm up to over at the Writer's Lens. So thanks again for listening. Again, share with a friend. Maybe start a dialogue. You guys can argue about it just like I do with myself. And we'll just continue on from there. So again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, be safe out there until, until next we meet. I'm J.C. Felto for the Writer's Lens.